Welcome to the Indie Matters Podcast, where we talk about the issues that matter most to Nevada. I'm John Ralston, the editor of the Nevada Independent. Today, I'll be chatting with a man who wants to abolish brothels in Lyon County, would be fine with a state prohibition, too. Elizabeth Thompson is in the Big Apple this week, so no to and fro between the two of us at the end of the podcast. First, though, we still have a few headlines from the Indy. The big political news in Nevada this week was that the election officials declared those Republican recall attempts over. They said the signatures fell short of legal thresholds. It's now up to a judge to certify it and up to State Senator Michael Roberson whether he wants to continue fighting for his dishonest campaigns. Roberson, who's running for lieutenant governor, started this quixotic effort because the GOP can't win the state Senate back at the ballot in November. He trumped up grievances against some Democrats and hired his field organizing pals to collect signatures. Democrats got energized, ran a decline to sign campaign, and looks like it worked. But this was driven all along by mendacity and incompetence, and that never ends well. Roberson, through a media parrot, is now accusing the election officials of incompetence, but it appears the senator should be looking in the mirror. Nevada's U.S. senators were on C-SPAN this week as they grilled Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg. Humberto Sanchez reported that Republican Dean Heller erroneously said Facebook sells data, which only allowed the program Zuckerberg to dodge. Heller read his prepared questions after showing up to the hearing about when it was his turn a few hours in. Cortez Masto was much more aggressive, chastising Zuckerberg and cross-examining him like the prosecutor she used to be. I'm sure a lot will change because of all of this. Please like this podcast on Facebook if you agree. Riley Snyder scooped that foes of the Energy Choice Initiative are spending $12 million, you heard that right, $12 million on TV in the weeks leading up to the election. They've promised to spend two and a half times that amount in all to defeat the initiative, which passed by a three-to-one margin in 2016. The group, funded mostly by NV Energy, must have lost a lot of fans among candidates who won't be able to find too many TV slots left to buy. There's a lot more on the Indy site to read. Mark Amaday taking a victory lap after predicting Paul Ryan would depart from Congress. A bizarre tale of intrigue in northern Nevada involving a sheriff, a big-time developer, and the attorney general. And Riley also scooped the news that the med school at UNLV may never get built. You heard that right, too. You can see all of these stories on the Nevada Independent site. We're a nonprofit news organization at thenevadaindependent.com. You can also make a tax-deductible contribution there, too. We appreciate all of the support from our readers and, of course, our podcast listeners. We'll be back in a moment with our guest who wants to ban brothels. We're back on Indie Matters, the podcast of the Nevada Independent, with our guest, Jason Guanasso. He's the managing partner of the Hutchison and Stephan Law Firm's Northern Offices. He ran unsuccessfully for the Assembly, and he's the head of the state's Public Charter School Authority. He recently signed up to help Lyon County residents who want to abolish brothels. And this week, he wrote an op-ed that you can see on the Indie's site. Jason Guanasso, welcome to Indie Matters. Oh, thank you for having me, John. So let's talk about uh, this this issue. Uh, uh, as you know, it's already sparked quite the social media traffic. I already got a response 
uh, in, in the independent. This is an issue that's been talked about over the years, uh, abolishing brothels, abolishing prostitution. I remember Harry Reid once uh, brought it up uh, during the legislature, went nowhere. Why now? The, the, I, I don't sense any real outcry anywhere uh, of, to do this. Why now? Well, um, I think it's important to put it in the context of a greater awareness in our state over the last five years of uh, uh, sex trafficking, generally speaking. That is, I think there have been organizations in both northern Nevada and southern Nevada that have done a very effective job at um, educating uh, communities across the state about the uh, uh, problem with illegal sex trafficking. And as that awareness campaign has been successful uh, in all corners of the state, the logical question that's been raised is what is the relationship uh, between the illegal sex trade and legal brothels in our state? And as you dig into that, you realize that there's a significant relationship between the two. And Nevada is one of the states that leads the country in illegal sex trafficking. And, and as you dig a little bit deeper, you find out that there's a direct correlation between uh, the legalization of prostitution and the incidences of, uh, of, uh, of the illegal uh, trafficking of, of young women. Uh, as so you know, now, well, as you, let me just great. stop you for a second, uh, uh, Jason. As you know, one of the one of the uh, arguments against what you're suggesting is your conflation of prostitution and sex trafficking. You say there's a direct correlation. Uh, Nevada does have a problem, uh, yes, but make make the case that there are a bunch of young women or even older women, uh, whatever the ages are, who are working in brothels who then get involved in sex trafficking. Where's the evidence that this is a huge problem here? Yeah, so uh, two sources of evidence, uh, one anecdotal and one empirical. Um, the anecdotal evidence just really comes from uh, working uh, with survivors of sex trafficking and hearing their stories. Uh, I've had the opportunity to talk to uh, women who are survivors who tell me firsthand uh, that their uh, work uh, that began in the illegal sex trade as young as 14 years old uh, culminated in them ultimately working you know, in local brothels here, including uh, Dennis Hoff's brothel uh, in Lyon County. Um, and that, that person, one of, one of the individuals of, of the several that we've talked to is willing to come forward and, and speak uh, about her experience. And uh, uh, she's, uh, we actually posted a video that she provided to us, uh, just kind of giving her firsthand account uh, on our uh, website, nolittlegirl.org. Um, so uh, we have plenty of anecdotal evidence uh, based on our own experience with, uh, uh, with women on the ground. But then secondarily, the, uh, the uh, London uh, Journal of uh, Economic and Political Science, they did a study in 2013. I'm just going to pull it up here. Um, and their study uh, found that on average, uh, countries where prostitution is legal experience larger reported human trafficking inflows. Uh, this empirical analysis 
that was done by uh, the, um, the the London School on Economics and Political Science in 2013 uh, uh, did a cross-section, uh, did an empirical analysis of a cross-section of up to 150 countries uh, and concluded, um, as I said, that where prostitution is, is legal, there's a higher incidence of human uh, trafficking inflows. So that empirical study supports what we are seeing on the ground as we are working to rescue women and serve women who are coming out of the life and into uh, other uh, vocations as they, you know, they begin to rebuild their lives. Uh, um, uh, and then we've got a study, we've got a Nevada-specific study that's not ready to be released yet, but um, when it is released, uh, we, we expect that it will it will further underscore both what we, what I've told you anecdotally as well as what has been found empirically by uh, this study from a couple of years ago. As, uh, and so we, we expect that there'll be a, a correlation uh, with with our uh, Nevada-specific study, uh, and I, I'm looking forward to having that released in the coming weeks. Uh, a Nevada-specific study about the correlation between uh, uh, prostitution and sex trafficking? Is that what you're saying? That's right. That's right. We'll have a study uh, that will support that done by a university uh, that, we, uh, that was commissioned by Awaken, Inc., uh, an organization here in northern Nevada fighting against sex trafficking. Um, like I said, we're not re- ready to release the results because it's being peer-reviewed right now, but once once all that is done, uh, we'll release it, and our expectation is that it will uh, support what we've been saying all along, and that is there's a direct correlation between the legal sex trade and the illegal sex trade. And that, that's really nothing new. I could even give you some other studies. For example, uh, in 2005, uh, a study was done by uh, Osterman, um and it... it um, I'm sorry, by Hughes, and it maintains that evidence seems to show that legalized uh, sex industries actually result in an increased trafficking to meet the demand for women to be used in uh, the legal sex industries. And then uh, Melissa Farley in 2009 said that wherever prostitution is legalized, trafficking uh, to the sex industry marketplaces in that region increases. And then the U.S. State Department in 2007 states that uh, as the official U.S. government position, that prostitution is inherently harmful and dehumanizing and fuels trafficking in person. Oh, you know, I don't, I don't want to get into too much of a deba- debate over data, but since you brought up the federal government, I'm going to bring up something in a second, uh, Jason. But I just want to go back to one more time to the, to the study that you're going to come out with. It. I assume that's going to be relatively soon. You said it's being peer-reviewed. Does that mean that you've seen preliminary results and they tend to back up the case that you've made? Yes, yes. I okay. just don't want to make a definitive statement I get it. until that process is completed. I, I totally understand. Let me just show you just a, a counter-argument to, to, to what you just said. And this was a piece uh, that, that, that I read in Slate by Emily Bazelon, who's a very well-known journalist, in which she asked the question, <clears throat> excuse me, would legalizing prostitution increase trafficking? Not necessarily. By this logic, the state of Nevada should be awash in foreign sex slaves, leading one to wonder what steps the Justice Department is taking to free them. She's quoting David Feingold uh, in Foreign Policy. Countries in which prostitution is legal 
Australia, Germany, the Netherlands aren't cesspools. On the other hand, they haven't seen the demand for prostitution drop off either. And sometimes it rises. So, uh, I mean, uh, you know, Australia is a pretty nice place. So is the Netherlands. Some people think Germany's a pretty nice place. Uh, they're not awash in foreign sex slaves. Uh, I don't think Nevada is either, is it? Well, I wouldn't say in foreign sex slaves and that, that there's an, uh, necessarily a huge international influx of prostitutes being trafficked to our state, although there is a, there is a significant number. There are women that are in our local brothels that come from other countries, for sure. And then also many of the women working in our brothels uh, aren't, aren't actually residents. So, so I think there are from other jurisdictions. But going to your point, or the, the author that you cited their point about other jurisdictions, let's take kind of a, a closer, more contemporary look at what's happening in those jurisdictions that were referenced. Like, for example, on Amsterdam, uh, they had to shut down the city's famous red light district because it had become a magnet for criminal activity, including uh, the international uh, 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 illegal sex trade. And in Germany, where prostitution was legalized in 2002, uh, the industry exploded, and it was es it's estimated recently, and as recently as 2015, that one million men <laughs> pay to use uh, 450,000 girls and women every day in in Germany. Uh, sex tourism is pouring in in that state in that country, and what you see there are what are referred to as mega brothels that are up to twelve stories high. And so that's the extreme version of what legalization looks like in Germany. And what you will find in that, that country, um, as is supported by the London study that I referenced earlier, is is a higher incidence. Of, of illegal trafficking, because the reason why is it's a, it's a simple uh, supply-demand sort of uh, principle, you know, where, where there's increased demand as a result of legalization, uh, that you have to have a supply, and some of that supply will, of course, occur through the, the legal brothels, but other, other portions of the demand will be satisfied through the uh, illegal trafficking of, of, of women in that same region. So um, so that's probably the reason why you see such a correlation between the legal trade and the illegal trade. What about the, the argument that uh, uh, even if some of what you say is true, that generally, you know, uh, these are, are women of free will. They're choosing to do what they want with their own bodies, and we should trust them uh, if they make the choice to go into what is a legal business here in Nevada uh, and 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 in on some other countries, why won't you trust women to make that decision? Oh well, I I was just taking an issue with the idea that we could ever consent to allowing uh, women. Uh, that women could ever consent to allowing themselves to be com com commoditized. That you don't is, think any of them consent to work in those brothels? Well, I think there are some women that certainly do consent, and I think they'll tell you, as they've been telling me on social media, that uh, this is uh, something that they have, uh, quote, unquote, chosen. And, uh, and they're, but, of course, they're not going to say anything different because they have an economic 
reason to say that it's a choice. They have an economic reason to say that uh, they're not being coerced. They have an economic reason to not acknowledge that they were brought into the business before they were of an age of consent. And it's really not a choice for them and that there there are not a lot of other options for them uh, other than what uh, what they have uh, that they were illegally brought into in the first place, and now are are being exploited in a in a, uh, le- a jurisdiction that legalizes it. And so, you know, I think there's a lot more complexity to the idea of consent um, as we talk about it in, um, in in terms of sex trafficking and legal prostitution. That, that may well be true. And as you know, uh, I'm presenting a devil's advocate argument on some on some yeah. of these things. Uh, Jason, but you're using the word exploited. Uh, some of these women may say, you know what? Uh, I don't see a problem with this. I, I don't feel exploited. In fact, I think I'm exploiting uh, the situation and the men who are willing to pay me for sex. And and so why why shouldn't I pay for my college education this way? Why shouldn't I pay my mortgage uh, b- b- by doing this? Uh, not every woman, I don't think, in, in these brothels feels as if she is being exploited. Yeah, and you know, I can't, I can't speak for those women, um, but I, I have. There have been studies that show that, though. I know you know that there's some studies that don't, that don't necessarily jibe with your point of view as well. Yeah, it's, it's true, and 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 I, I'm sure, like with any issue that we, it's, it's hard with these sorts of issues to oversimplify, uh, or or overstate my case on those points and I'm sure there are some women who may consent you know and may uh, not have not be come from a background where they've been exploited or abused or illegally trafficked or weren't sexually abused as young women but I think those women are, are not in an economic situation where they have no other choice but I think that those women are the exception and not the rule and I don't think that we should make state policy based on extreme exceptions, but we should uh, make state policy based on what we know the general rule is. What, what we know from the data is uh, uh, that w- what leads women to ultimately go into the prostitution uh, industry, whether that's the illegal trade or the legal trade. And when we take all the totality of the circumstances that leads to those sorts of choices, uh, I, I think it's incumbent upon uh, state leaders and, and, and voters who are empowered to, to make a decision on these issues, to make the decision that in, in total, you know, weighing out all the benefits and, and all the detriments to both to the individuals we're talking about and to society as a whole, that it's a better public policy to not legalize brothels than it is to have them legalized. Uh, notwithstanding some of the exceptions to that general rule. In, in case anyone is listening, uh, you mentioned state policy. The policy for a long time in this state set uh, by the legislature is essentially to allow county option. In case people, you know, there's a lot of people, as you know, Jason, outside of Nevada who thinks prostitution is legal in Reno and in and, and, and Las Vegas. It's not. But these some of these counties have chosen because uh, uh, they have the option to do so. There has never... And, and I've covered politics in, in this state, as you know, for a long time, uh, for, for more than 30 years. There has never been a groundswell in the legislature to abolish brothels. Why do you think that is? Uh, honestly, I, I, I just think it's a failure of leadership 
on, on that on that score. I, one of the reasons why I ran for assembly um, last uh, in 2016 was to try to provide some leadership and 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 do what I'm doing now, you know, to you know provide a voice to this issue and to, and to really see if we I could build a coalition of people that would be willing to. Um, analyze the issues that you and I are analyzing in this conversation and come to the conclusion that the legalization or of, of uh, prostitution is really uh, commoditizing women and objectifying them in a way that's leading to a whole host of uh, social ills, including uh, higher incidences of rape in our state, higher instances of uh, sexual assaults against women. And I, I kind of see all those issues as related and w- wanted to address those. But in trying to lobby the legislature on this issue last uh, session, um, there's you know, there was some interest from both Democrats and Republicans to, to uh, amend Nevada law to eliminate uh, counties with less than 700,000 people from being able to... Uh, uh, have legal brothels, but there was no legislator that was really willing to make it a core issue. And when you're working in a 120-day session and you only have so much political capital to spend and you have other priorities, um, I think a lot of legislators think, well, I better choose my battles. I only have 120 days. I only have a certain amount of political capital to spend. And I don't think that this issue is significant enough to spend my political capital to uh, amend Nevada law to address this issue. I don't want so, you to name names, Jason, uh, obviously, but you did try to get this on. It went nowhere. Uh, is what you just said what some of these legislators from both parties told you in private conversations? Like, I agree with you, uh, wink, wink, but uh, I'm not going to spend my political capital on trying to do something like this. Is that essentially what they told you? Yeah, you know, I'm paraphrasing or taking what they said on this. I'm distilling it. I'm just trying to figure out what these conversations, because you seem to indicate that there's maybe more agreement up there than than I might think with with that, because it's never been a serious effort in the legislature to do this. Yeah, most of the folks I've talked to say, yeah, it needs to change. But again, it's not it's not something they want to make a priority or they think that you know, there's often this discussion of kind of the good old boy network in our state and that, you know, the repercussions that come from taking a stand on this issue aren't, you know, aren't something that, um, you know, legislators are willing to deal with, especially when they have other priorities that they want to pursue. But I'll tell you, most of the people that I talk to in private that are current legislators think that this needs to be changed. They're just, again, not willing to take that next step. And a lot of them will say this, you know, let's, let's do it next time or let's, you know, let's continue to educate the community as you've been doing and let's bring it back again. Or, you know, maybe we should make it into a statewide initiative. And when at that suggestion, when I heard that and I knew we weren't going to get anywhere at the legislature, that's when we, when we said, okay, we, we will do a better job of educating folks and we will, start to consider a statewide campaign where we can put the issue squarely before the people. And in the process of doing that, John, we, we've gone to all the different rural counties. I spent a lot of time in Lyons County since last June, uh, meeting with civic groups and uh, religious groups and anybody that would have me. And every time I was able to, to have an opportunity to talk about sex trafficking in those places, I often talked about what I've 
talk to you about, and that is the correlation between sex trafficking and illegal uh, sex trade and, and the fact that we need to do something about that. And so that really caught um, uh, the attention of a lot of folks that I spoke to in Lyon County, and that's what's really precipitated the referendum in Lyon County. And kind of, you know, it's, I, I'd always conceived that this is a statewide effort, but um, when, um, when I saw that there was a, a large group of people in Dayton and in Urington and in Burnley who were, you know, interested in trying to do this in their county, I thought, well, why don't we take a shot there? There's four brothels and see if uh, and see if our support of that community would lead to some incremental change. And, you know, I've just learned over the years that with any policy changes or major legislative changes, especially like the one we're advocating now that's been a part of uh, Nevada for about 50 years, that sometimes you have to approach these things more incrementally um, and, and not as... Uh, uh, I don't know, revolutionary. No, you're absolutely, you're absolutely right about that. Um, well, we have about 10 minutes left, and I, I do want to get to some other issues that you raised in your op-ed and that some people uh, uh, disagree with in a couple of uh, other uh, things. But let's, 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 let's talk about the Lyon County uh, a referendum real quickly, just so people understand, Jason. Tell us where it's at right now and what needs to happen to get it passed. Oh, sure. So um, the, there is a, a committee of uh, uh, citizens from uh, Lyon County that, completed an affidavit with a petition referendum that presents to the people of Lyon County the current ordinance as it's written in Lyon County and then presents the question as to whether they want to repeal that ordinance or not. In order to get that uh, petition before uh, the voters in Lyon County, uh, the committee has got to collect uh 3,355 signatures. Um, they have until June 15th, 15th to uh, gather those signatures. If they're successful in meeting that threshold, then the petition will be submitted to the county commission, and the county commission will have an opportunity to vote up or down on the repeal. And if they vote, if they vote in support of repealing the uh, ordinance, then there won't be a campaign. Um, but if they decide they don't want to repeal the ordinance and they want the matter to go before the voters in Lyon County, uh, then a campaign will start probably late July, early August, and culminate in a decision on November 6th of uh, this year. So uh, who's funding this? Uh, there is no fund. There's <laughs> no money in it at all. It's all... It's all just been volunteer work uh, from people that care, both out in Lyon County, uh, from the, the different groups that have uh, decided to ask for the, the support that I can provide, and then uh, my pro bono service through uh, the ETAP, the, uh, uh, the End Trafficking and Prostitution uh, Political Action Committee, and then... Uh, Awaken and some of the other organizations uh, who are fighting sex trafficking are trying to lend some support in terms of information and things like that along the way. And we started a, a campaign called NoLittleGirl.com, and we're trying to raise money that way. So uh, it really has no, 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 there's no funding uh, behind this. And you're doing this pro bono. You know, some people might have heard me say that you work for Hutchison and stuff, and they may have recognized the lieutenant governor's name. He's okay with you doing this? Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, of course, when you work for a law firm and you do anything like this in the community, you, you have to have 
agreement from uh, other partners, and both uh, uh, Mark and John uh, gave me the green light to proceed with this sort of advocacy, and I think they're proud to stand stand with me as we uh, do this work because it's going to make a difference in the lives of lots of men and women. Let, let's let's talk about a few more arguments uh, on on this because I think we should. I really want to use this conversation to try to vet some of these, and I'm sure you want to do that uh, as well. One yeah. thing one thing you did in your op-ed, which I hope everybody reads on the Nevada Independent site, is you, is you presented like uh, a, a, a hypothetical conversation between a daughter and a father over this. And one thing you said is, no, daddy, really, I could start my career now because the average age of a new prostitute in the U.S. prostitution industry is 14. And as you know, there's been pushback on that, including from an op-ed that we ran from uh, a leader of the Libertarian Party uh, up in Washoe County, in which he said, sure, in the illegal prostitution prostitution industry. In the legal prostitution industry in Nevada, minimum legal age for sex work ranges from 18 to 21, depending on the county. And this is strictly enforced through the use of mandated work cards and regular health screenings. This is one of several instances of Mr. Guanasso conflating legal and illegal prostitution, as he did when he talked about physical assault and drug use rates. Do you think he has a point there or not, Jason? Well, I uh David uh, Colburn is a, a smart individual, and he's he's a libertarian, and I respect, I have a lot of friends who are libertarians, and I respect them a lot, but I tend to think that they look at the world through a straw sometimes, and that's exactly what that argument is, is looking at this issue through a straw. Um, my argument is a bit broader, and that is to say that many of the women that find themselves in legal brothels their careers actually started in the illegal industry um, as early as 14. And all the, all the major literature that has uh, looked at the issue of prostitution and when women begin uh, in prostitution, all of it supports what I put in my uh, article, that the average age of entry is 14 years old. And so think of it kind of like baseball, where you have a, a major league, which would be the legal uh, uh, brothels, and you have a minor league, which is the, the illegal prostitution. Those that illegal those illegal farm teams, if you will, are are recruiting these girls as young as 14 years old, and then ultimately, when they become, uh, you know, 18 or between the ages of 21, they convert some of some of them who are, you know, attractive or particularly good at what they do. Uh, get the opportunity to work in the, the legal brothels. All right. I, I hope people will read that argument that you made and, and Mr. Colburn. Mr. Colburn also responded to some FBI statistics that you cited, as you know, in Lyon County, saying a woman is 1,660% more likely to be raped in Lyon County, a county with legal brothels, than in Carson City, a county with no legal brothels, even though the populations are almost identical. And he wrote in response that according to the most recent numbers published by the FBI, there were 15 reported rapes in Lyon County versus Carson City's three. There are also no reported rapes in Elko County, despite the presence of brothels in downtown Elko, 11 in Douglas County, despite the prohibition of brothels there. Uh, I think there's an argument here of cherry-picking statistics, is there not? Oh, I'm sure... I could be accused of that, um, as anybody would be who's trying to make a you know a larger argument. But in this instance, I really didn't do that because, again, I think uh, Mr. Colburn's looking at the uh, the the data through a straw. I, I didn't just rely on 2016. We looked at the FBI's five-year average, starting in 2012, 13, 14, 15, and 16, and the numbers 
are overwhelming uh, in support of what I presented in my article. And so if you want to look at that full cross-section um, of, of uh, years uh, for when this data is reported, and I think that, that would be uh, instructive for him. And then further, I would just say that um, the end of the problem, again, it's, it's people reporting these crimes, and we know that most of these sorts of crimes uh, go unreported. And so uh, that piece is speculative, and I certainly didn't add that in my argument, but I, I think if we're going to look at the totality of the circumstances and the reality in the world and not look at these issues through a straw um, and make larger conclusions, I think we would find that in total, what I've presented is consistent with what's actually happening in the world. And, and, and the question for the Lyon County voters, hopefully, will be, is this something that we want to continue to condone in our uh, county? Let, let's just wrap up this discussion. We only have a, a little time left. Let's suppose you're successful. And I think you would prefer it if, if this were a statewide issue and, and that it were uh, abolished uh, across Nevada, Jason. Don't you think, considering uh, that, that the brothels are regulated, that to make it make prostitution illegal is going to make it less safe for women and their customers. Isn't that an argument for keeping it legal? Well, gotcha. You know, I'm certainly concerned about the safety of the women and and for the customers, for sure. And I think there are other ways to approach that issue than legalization. Uh, There is a model for addressing this that I don't know that is a complete elixir, but I think um, has some potential, and it's basically, the, the, it's called the Nordic model, and the concept's really simple. It's making the selling uh, of sex legal, but the buying of sex illegal, so that a woman can get help without being arrested, harassed, or worse, and the criminal law is used to deter the buyers, uh, because they're the ones fueling the market, uh, and there are a number of techniques, including host- hotel sting operations, you know, placing uh, ads and in, in, to inhibit Johns and, and mailing courthouse summonses to home addresses and other strategies to go after that. And a piece of that has already kind of been implemented last session. If you recall, Assemblywoman Jill Toll uh, got passed what's called the, the, uh, the John Law. Yes. Uh, went. And so that's kind of a, the direction we would like to see the policy go um, because it would, um, it would go to those issues of making sure that uh, – uh, the, the crimes that are occurring against women and the, and the danger that men put themselves in when they uh, uh, solicit uh, prostitution, uh, that those issues would be addressed uh, in looking at the, the buyer rather than the seller. Jason, uh, we, we are out of time uh, for this podcast. I, I can't tell you uh, how much I appreciate your willingness to talk about this. I hope you'll keep in touch uh, with my reporters at The Independent. We'd love to see this study when it comes out. I also want to tell you and all of our listeners that next week on the podcast, I'm going to be interviewing a uh, a uh, sex worker who has done research too and has a different uh, point of view. I hope you'll listen, uh, Jason, and we're going to keep talking about this. Thanks for coming on. Hey, thanks for the opportunity to have the conversation. I, I, I know... Uh... Uh, you work really hard to provide balanced point of view and to facilitate civil discourse so that we can solve problems like this uh, uh, intelligently. So appreciate your hard work and the work of your colleagues at Nevada Andy. Thanks so much. Appreciate it.
Welcome back to Indie Matters, the podcast of the Nevada Independent. We're at the NevadaIndependent.com. A reminder, our podcast interviews can be heard uh, on KUNV 91.5, The Source. That's the university's radio station, 830 every Thursday evening. We love partnering with UNLV and all sorts of events, and we'll continue to. That is all the time we have for this week's edition of Indie Matters. We want to know what you think. If you have ideas, criticism, or even praise, Email us at ideas at theNVindy.com. Check out the site, too, please, if you haven't already. Once again, the NevadaIndependent.com. You can also go on iTunes and rate us and subscribe. And I finally figured out how to get this podcast on Stitcher. You can find us on Stitcher and Google Play as well. I want to thank Jason Guanasso for coming on and having that conversation. I also want to thank our wonderful hosts here at KUNV on the campus of UNLV. And as always... Many thanks to Joey Lovato. He's our fantastic producer who makes everyone on this podcast except me sound podcast smooth. Thanks, Joey. I'm John Ralston. Thanks for listening to Indie Matters. We'll talk to you next week.